Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, just taking his evening sip here before we launch into the podcast, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. Man, how you doing? Good, man. You know, I got my pomegranate juice. It's like my thing that I do almost every night. <laughs> I've got hot cocoa because it go. is approximately... 37 below zero today in Missouri for no reason. It was like 50 degrees 24 hours ago. Yeah. Classic Midwest February. (laughs) Yeah, classic. And again, reason to live in the Midwest, October. Reason Mm. to not live in the Midwest, February and August. That's simple, guys. (laughs) It's that simple. Anyway, but, I mean, the Octobers are that good. We're two months of pain. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, My dude. Magic the Gathering, kind of a light show this week in terms of what's going on, because we've kind of settled into this standard, I would say. Uh, I want to talk about it. Then we're going to talk a little bit about this investment thing from two guys who could not know investment stuff less. It's going to be great. (laughs) Um, But just our perspective as dudes, the man on the street, if you will. Okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, Cameron, I know you've already probably talked to your your guy. I know you have a separate guy for uh, hedge funds and stocks, separate stock purchases. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know how you navigated that exactly, but I'm interested to know. Um, but first, let's talk about a little standard, man. What have you been up to? Yeah, dude. Uh, I took your cue and suited up the Jeskai Hinata deck. Um, this deck for me, completely untuned, completely unoptimized. I'm running my Hanadas and, and uh, Dragons, and, you know, that's Goldspans, and that's about it. But the matches that I've pl- had, um, the players that I have played against, none of the matches have been complete blowouts. They've been super close, and I have been having a complete and utter blast with this deck. Um just the things that you can do with um, all the the land that you can cast as a spell and deal multiple points of damage to deal with creatures. It's an incredible card. Um, I, I feel like I have game against everything. Mono white can sometimes be iffy, but if I have early removal, I feel like I'm totally good. Mono green, because of the the high <laughs> density of creatures that are 4-4 and above... I feel like that's where I really, really struggle. Um, but, you know, I mean, like, against, like, control decks, I feel like I've got game. Um, I mean, I've seen dungeon decks, which I wasn't expecting to see. I've seen enchantment decks. Um, it's There's enough out there that it feels really, really fresh um, in a way that I was not expecting coming back into Arena. Yeah, so Jeskai... Uh... I don't know if you've seen much of the newer deck lists have kind of started to navigate away from Hinata and back to Lear. Um, mm, okay. Which I know we're like, oh, Lear again, right? Because, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, rewind like three weeks where Lear was our favorite card for however right. long, right? So um, there is a desire for Hinata to be um, the best deck for me, and I definitely don't think it is. It's a ton of fun. Mm hmm. And it's one of the weird control decks where, I feel like I should look over my shoulder, the mirrors are actually a lot of fun to play. 
At least I think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you don't. If your opponent has not a resolved and you don't, that leads to some problems. But if you have, both have it down, then it's like very bizarre. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, but it is a fun deck and a skill intensive deck. Um, that being said, we've kind of, like I said, have settled into this thing where <coughs> there is very much this kind of like. I'm not trying to like be punny, but high flying deck that tends to be kind of control, but with some kind of flying element, dragons, whatever. Mm-hmm. Then we have a super low to the ground, like mono white, mono green, white black aggro. There's been like mono red has kind of made a resurgence again. Yeah. So it, we've kind of started to find all that. Black white has a control deck as well that's d- done very well, almost entirely on the back of Meat Hook Massacre. That card mm-hmm. is. Silly, like silly, really good. how good that is. Uh, and it kind of begs the question: like, if we were in a Star City Games era or something like that, like, would Mean Hook Massacre be the card that we're like, oh, geez, man, that card is like unbeatable, <laughs> yeah. right? Because it's the w- weird Wrath card that is like good if your opponent gets underneath you, but it's also mm-hmm. like really good against control because it's just like a it becomes like a blood artist basically for two. That's an enchantment, so it's like harder for control to kill. It's super weird. Um, I have not kind of ventured outside of those ranges, though. I know there are a lot of Naya. There's a Naya runes deck that's floating around. There's like a showdown of the skulls, you know, that kind of stuff again. But, you know, an alarming amount of people are really excited that Monored's back. But listen to the quantity of decks that we're talking about here, Cameron. Right, yeah. And I don't think one of them is very clearly the best deck <coughs> but i have my suspicions that it's is it dragons um mm. i just decided to look up on the metagame analysis who was doing well and i just played i mean the most vanilla i believe there was one card from neon dynasty in it and it was the blue land okay the rest of the deck was i mean Four Goldspan Dragon, you get it, right? Mm-hmm. And I was on a heater. Like, I just beat up on these other decks, dude. So, you know, I, I would also, like, Smoldering Egg also weirdly causes a lot of problems uh, mm-hmm. for opponents in post-board match. I mean, it's not that shocking that this is a good card. But it's kind of interesting that that's the deck that leverages it the best. And <coughs> how often it just can be a game over for aggro decks in game two and game three because it's often incorrect for them to bring in a lot of removal for your full four goldspan dragons and that's it right um mm-hmm. so even if they do some kind of weird trimming situation you still got you add the smoldering eggs and they're just like Ugh. it's really hard for them to beat that card right so um that deck is pretty much the most basic expression of i think a lot of people's concerns however neon dynasty has been an incredibly popular set like people are blowing up i I was pretty hyped on it last week and i'm kind of seeing that across the way however cameron it should be asked like is your um enjoyment of this set affected by the fact that you will not ever watch it live i mean that that has actually played in the back of my head right yeah like have you i mean because the thing that I would love to like consider is how much watching live streaming for Magic 
and knowing that there were Grand Prix I could go to, Star City Games. And that, you know, look, I was not Mr. Grinder. I probably mm-hmm. went to like six or seven Star City things in my whole life. Um, but just knowing that those were out there kind of gave it that aspirational, like, I always want to keep on top of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And it still feels a little disconnected. You know, and I I was thinking about this a lot because Star City Games had written a bunch of their farewell farewell articles today. And uh oh man, it hurt. It hurt. But yeah, um it should. I, <laughs> yeah, it, uh camera just pouring salt back there, it doesn't care. Yeah. Um I'm I'm just curious though, dude, like are you gonna stick with this standard or I mean, for the time being, I am. Um, I still have most of the elements for like a blue-white control and a blue-black control list, um, like that old Sedgemore witch list. Um, so I could find something to try to do a spin with that and, and figure it out. Uh, we're at the point now with paper standard that unless I'm actually going to a tournament to try to win some money, um, I'm not investing in my Goldspan Dragons anytime soon, right? Like, I just kind of, like, that ship has sailed. So, I don't know. I mean, like, to your point, the thing that would get me jazzed is just going on the Saturday afternoon treadmill and watching Star City Games coverage. And, um, you know, not happening. So, <laughs> here we are. Yeah, so it's it's weird because... Yeah, and, and maybe this is just maybe a little bit too far down the rabbit hole, but like when you like look at the landscape of competitive magic, what's the interesting format to talk about? I guess modern, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of people that are like you and I want it to be Pioneer. I don't know that it is. Watsley clearly wants it to be Alchemy, but like, dude, that is that is getting to be shockingly ignored by the mm-hmm. actual content creating public and you know the way that Watts he's talking about it even now just feels like a little bit rough so um and and who knows I'm sure I'm going to be accused of confirmation bias we'll see um (laughs) but it's certainly anecdotally like in your gut deep in your gut do you feel like alchemy is going to survive and doesn't doesn't look good no right it doesn't at all um all right so hey Cameron again we're going to pause that discussion there and I really want to get into this Alta Fox like discussion and use it more as a springboard for talking about where Watsy is headed and what's the perspective of this. We'll be right back. So one thing we're not going to do, Cameron, is talk about the NFT. I don't know if you saw this, but some... some <laughs> I don't ever want to say those words. <laughs> Or letters. I mean, as it was coming out of my mouth, I realized, like, I don't know that I've ever said NFT out loud. I, I think I've only ever read it on the internet. Yeah. Um, but anyway, no, like, there, there was, you know, some dudes and du- dudettes, presumably, that um, wanted to make a Magic the Gathering thing with NFTs. And uh, the Watsi lawyers came in, to, came in and said, hey, you really should stop. So... <laughs> Um, so, you know, that was, that was probably all there is to say about that. What's more interesting is this, uh, free wizards thing. Okay. Again, neither you are, I, I don't invest in Hasbro and I, I, with the current leadership, there is zero chance I will ever do that. (laughs) Right. Um, 
And this kind of blew up, and then, I mean, we go through this all the time on Magic Twitter, which is probably why you should never go on it ever again, Cameron, is people blew up about it, said, hey, maybe this will be a good thing if anything comes of this. And then other people came back and said, this is a investment firm. They don't care about you. They're not your friend. You're so dumb. And off we went, right? Some mm. good old-fashioned Twitter dialogue. Um, but what it amounts to is this, is a group of people that own a small percentage but not nothing monetarily uh you know this company is called AltaFox and they own 2.5% of Hasbro which is like over 300 million dollars worth of stock they believe that Hasbro should spin Wizards of the Coast out into its own thing right and essentially that there's been some mismanagement at the top of Hasbro and Watsi um and that a better way to evaluate the value of these companies would be to separate them out. Um, there is a massive document, which I have not read all of it, but I've read a lot of coverage on this, both through mm -hmm. the magic world and through, shall we say, more of CNBC-type channels. Um, and I, I guess I'll just start there, Cameron. Like, It's very likely nothing will change here, but it does percolate some perspective. Um just put your business hat on for me, Cameron, which you've always got on. I know. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. do you What do you think of all this, man? I, I mean, it, it seems like the investors aren't fully um, excited for the live action He Man movie that's going to come out on Netflix. Is what it really mm -hmm. is coming down to. I think. Uh, I think that's Mattel, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know who owns He Man. I guess. So clearly, but. Hasbro's doing a great job. <laughs> They're doing a great job. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, I mean, I, I know so little of this, but it is fascinating to see that um, this um, Alta Fox Capital Management Company or whatever um, knows the value of Wizards of the Coast specifically and that that's probably like their highest performing product and... Um, what we have seen as consumers of this product over the last year and a half, two years, um, might be an indication that it's not um, all sunshine and rainbows like they had in our last uh, investor call. Mm -hmm. Was that last week or two weeks ago? Oh, yeah. Well, oh, where all the profits are up, but don't expect them to be up so much anymore. Yeah. All that stuff. Oh, dude, I would love to know. I would love to know what the metrics for different things look like after this last little round of, you know, because, again, we just get the anecdotal, like, hey, the Twitch numbers are massively down. What's mm -hmm. going on? I want to make some points here, okay? And, again, I, I am not the guy that's going to get into the ins and outs of this investment firm. I think it's a little bit arrogant to presume that I know. And as a guy that works in education, I can tell you, Nothing irritates me more than when people have their perspective on my profession and it's completely off base and ridiculous. Yeah. Happens all the time. But I do get a kick out of when people are like, I can't believe you would be in favor of this company taking over uh, Wizards of the Coast. They are just going to pump these stocks and dump them. And it's just going to be a huge scam. And it's like, what do you think the people in charge of... Hasbro and Wizards, or specifically Hasbro, what they're doing now. Like, mm -hmm. what do you think that is? Guys, in the report it says none of the people on the board have bought a Hasbro stock in 10 years. 
Okay. This is not a group of people that are super invested mm-hmm. in the long-term health of Magic the Gathering. Now, a couple points here. Number one, yes, Watsi is by far and away the most profitable element of Wizards or of Hasbro. So it makes a lot of sense to go, hey, hey, you have a little sub uh, company that is carrying the rest of your company. We should split this out so we can have a proper evaluation of Monopoly, Transformers, all that stuff, and then have mm-hmm. specifically Magic and D&D and some other things under that banner over here. Um, but the idea that you could pump and dump and destroy, because I saw some people mention Toys R Us. The big difference here is that Toys R Us is not an intellectual property, guys. Like, it is a physical retail store more than anything, and it wasn't worth anything from that perspective. If Watsy spun out and became its own thing, the D&D game license alone would cause them to get bought up by pick, pick up Amazon, Microsoft, whoever. Like, mm-hmm. And I think as Magic players, we lose that. in Like, the D&D rule set, game engine, whatever you want to say, is worth so much more than all of this long term. Right, mm-hmm. so th- this is an element we don't think about because we're you know the free wizards talks about competitive play and all this other stuff and it's like I get that they're trying to appeal to like invested magic players but let's let's not kid ourselves what D and D is and how you could monetize that right mm-hmm. second point um, a lot of people saying well if if these guys were to take over which you know who knows what the actual realistic chances of that are that they're just going to do more of the same and you're going to get more secret layers and less competitive play. Their argument is, first of all, that Wizards is doing well. And not that it's not doing well. But also that they're still underachieving based upon what the property is. I guarantee you part of their perspective is competitive play should and could be a profitable thing. Right? Again, Mm -hmm. if you went to someone and said, hey, I'm holding an annual convention in Las Vegas and I'm getting probably 200,000 people together, right? Or what, 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 how many people played in the main event in Vegas, Vegas that one time? It was like 50,000 people? I have no idea. Somebody, uh, I might be inflating these numbers wildly, but it doesn't matter because the problem was they did not monetize these events correctly. They have not monetized organized play correctly, okay? Organized play does not equal pro play. And somehow that got conflated in people's heads. Pro play ain't coming back. Organized play could. And again, you could do this thing of, hey, in the U.S., we're going to have four regions. Once a year, we're going to have our regional tournament. Then we're going to take the top eight of those. We're going to put them in a big tournament in Seattle. Winner gets five hundred grand. Right? Mm-hmm. I would probably never compete in that. Cameron, I would watch every single one of those. Yeah. And that's not professional, but it is competitive, right? And... You can make it. What I mean for those qualifiers, the buy-in could be what, a hundred bucks, hundred fifty bucks. Oh man, right? Yeah, and you could do just fine. Get people to pay in to play, not pay them to play, right? Mm-hmm. And so that is that is a big missed opportunity. And again, you can view this as predatory or whatever. I just maybe I'm just I've got all this hubris, but I think it's okay to think Watsi could make money doing right by the players. It's possible. I mean, it's very possible. <laughs> there is a sliver of hope that the world is still, you know, not completely broken. 
Well, but again, think about all the other things in your life. Like, they want to listen to the customers. And we're told all the time by these people that create magic content, oh, well, you don't matter. And that's why Wizards doesn't look to you. And it's like, dude, you don't say this to your most invested fans, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the people that run the Metallica fan page, they don't buy all the Metallica albums, right? But they are the ones that are kind of the influencers, guidance, whatever you want to say, right? They're the people Mm. that you want to speak to. So, sorry, I know this is kind of a long and winding road to say. I just think that, like, some of the ideas here are good. Do I think these are necessarily good or bad people? No. I think they're all a bunch of suits that are investors that I don't know and don't care about. Mm -hmm. And I just want to go with whoever is going to do right by the game. And they're kind of doing a bad job of it now. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, it's, I mean, if just being reorganized maybe and like a different management structure where um, the people who are invested in creating the game, designing the game and all of that have the opportunity to, to know that that is the best route to go rather than optimize this to make the most bang for the buck um, – with like predatory or bad practices of something like alchemy or, you know, like all these other things, like the designers of this game, the people who are invested in it and create it, um, they want to do right. I, I'm putting my chips on the table for that one. Dude. And you know what? You just made like a really good point. Like in a lot of ways, it feels like magic has lost its objective, I guess it's creative thrust whenever you pull out all the competitive play, right? And I know everyone tells me, oh, you know, Commander is is the thing that they're about now. And it's like, well, you could always be about Commander too. Like, you can make money off Commander while you're making money off of other stuff. Yeah. Like competitive yeah. play. Like, I just, I just feel like people talk themselves into circles because they're just being apologist for whatever decisions are being made. Mm-hmm. And it's like, guys, this... None of this had to change. Nothing like they could have just charged more <laughs> and like just mm-hmm. killed the competitive play, but kept the competitive scene or the the Grand Prix scene alive in some way, or at least told us, "Hey, we're planning on doing Grand Prix." But I just look at this from the perspective as a youth sports parent. Like some of the things I go to have a fraction of the people that have been at Magic tournaments, Grand Prix that I've been mm-hmm. to, and I know these guys are making money hand over fist on youth. You know, name a thing, softball, volleyball, basketball, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, these are the same venues that had magic tournaments, like sometimes the exact same ones I've been in, with less people, and I know they're much more profitable. It's wild. Yeah. It's wild to me. So, anyway. Sorry, Cameron. I just had to rant. I had to get so much out of my um, system about this thing. Dude, I'm still, like, processing it all, so it was good to hear your points. Okay. Well, hey, speaking of processing, Cameron, we, that's like kind of all the magic we're going to talk about, but we are going to talk a lot about some new video games, mm-hmm. and um, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about Sifu, so we'll be right back after this. Hey, Cameron. So, dude, some really hard decisions had to be made this week. Yeah. This month. Right? And, and by the way, didn't get any easier... Because we had Indie Darling Sifu, right? We have Elden Ring, Horizon Forbidden West. Oh, by the way, just in case we needed it, 
Cyberpunk's Next Generation patch came out in there too. Yep. <laughs> um, so you've been playing Sifu, and uh, everything about this game seems like I would love it more than anything. Mm-hmm. So tell me that I've made the right choice here, Cameron. Go. I I, I can't say that, and um, I think I went against for the first time in my life. I went against your wishes and said, you know what. I'm getting this game, even though Curtis says, no, 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 you have Elden Ring, and there's all this other stuff coming out. I made the right choice, okay? Mm, okay, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, dude, um, there's so much going for this game. Indie Darling, as you mentioned. Um, a really good art style that is just fun and fresh and just, you know, showing the limitations of, like, whatever the... Um, size of the company or the budget that they had, they really lent into an art style that worked really, really well. Um, the music is just sparse, but there and present and just works with what's going on. And um, some of the most complex and um, amazing combat that I've played. Um to the point where all of a sudden I need to know how to remember to click a bumper in order to go low kick, high kick, high block, low block. I mean, so we start getting into like, you know, full six axes of, of oh, controls, wow. which is really, really good. Um, so Sifu, it is a Kung Fu game, super, super punishing and super, super unforgiving. Um, you at the very, very beginning, watch your father die um, and murdered, and then it just becomes a revenge tale. And it's a fairly short game. I mean, I, I died, I would say, a lot, a lot, a lot. And <laughs> it took me, I don't know, like 14 hours to go through it. So it's not like a huge game. I've seen speed runs that are, you know, like 90 minutes and less. So, I mean, like, you can get through the game fairly quickly if you're um, competent. Um, there's some really, really cool things that are done for the gameplay. So you don't actually die in the game. Instead, you continue to age. So if you get completely knocked out, um, you go from age 20 to 21, and then it escalates from there. So if like you're in a boss fight, you're right in the middle, you rise back, and you're at 22 years old, and then you go to 25 years old, and you just keep on aging and aging, mm-hmm. aging to become an old man. Um, and you carry with that, if, if you can't complete that level, it kind of carries with you. It's this really interesting mechanic that I, I like a lot because you can at least pick up right where you left off, uh, within that level, which, um, I don't know for it's, it's great to how you manage, I guess, um, fighting against those characters. Um, and then there's just like certain moments that are just full on inspiration from like Hong Kong films, um, all the way from the 1960s, the 70s with Bruce Lee, all the way up to like super modern area stuff with like old boy, um, you know, um, the raid, um, you know, things of like that nature, just visceral combat where all of a sudden it splits into a 2D beat em up. Um, that it's like something from Streets of Rage. And it's just, there are moments in this where after you pass it, you just feel so like in a flow state, um, very similar to something like Sekiro. 
Um, and it, it shares a lot of elements with Sekiro as well, as far as like um, the block meter and how you can only block so level so much before you're going to take like a real significant hit. Um, mm-hmm. Same goes with like the uh, your opponents. So, dude, this game um, currently it is the best game I've played of 2022, and it's definitely going to be on the list of like top five games of the year. No, no questions asked. Did you did you feel like at the end there was like a sense of satisfaction in your revenge? Yes, I did. Um, mainly because of my button dexterity. Um, <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, a good a good wedding of appetite, I'm sure, for uh, Elden. What what to expect with Elden Ring as far as just punishingly hard? Well, the good news is that you're able to finish Sifu before Elden Ring. Because Horizon Forbidden West, that ain't happening, dude. I've been like now reading reports where it's like you expect it to be 50 or 60 hours. I'm like, okay. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, where to start with Horizon Forbidden West? So you, you like I have played Horizon for, uh, Zero Dawn, right? Oh, I yeah. think that was a really good game. Um, and... A really good open world game. I always say I wish that and Zelda combined because mm. I like the exploration elements of Zelda better. I like the combat in Horizon a lot, a lot better. Mm-hmm. And dude, Sony just now does this thing where they they just make these super premium single player games that. Even when I'm not that into it, you just kind of have to be in awe of like the way the like it's almost like an Apple product. It's just like how the production <laughs> value matches like what the system does, and and in other ways, it's kind of what Nintendo used to do, mm-hmm. right? Like that's kind of where we're at. And like I I medium liked Ratchet Clank, Ratchet and Clank Returnal just did not fit my lifestyle, but I like that as well. You will love Returnal when you get mm-hmm. a chance to play that, Cameron. It's like very much built for you. Um, but this game feels a lot like Last of Us 2 in, like, the prestige level. You know what I mean? Like, Sony's kind of become what HBO is to television, I guess is how I would put it. Hmm. And okay. um, this game, the production values are so outrageous. Like, it's almost it's almost impossible. Like, because I thought I watched video reviews on YouTube that I would have like a strong understanding of the look and stuff. But when you see it in an actual factual person, you're like, oh, oh, yeah, YouTube's compression when it got all of this, right? So it does play a lot like the first game. It's improved in a lot of like solid mechanical things. Uh, the thing that I would say is, narratively speaking, they do like a previously on, but it's kind of a terrible one because. Okay. You're instantly introduced to like two or three characters from the first game that weren't in the previously on. And it's like, uh, okay, I guess I guess this person was in the previous game. And it was a it was a while ago that I played it. I remember mm-hmm. the big kind of ticket parts of the story, and I remember really being surprised by that story. Mm-hmm. Um But it's just super well designed and well executed and good looking. The weird thing is, this is the first game, so I the, all the new systems, both Series X and PS5, it's really typical now to have a frame rate mode and a resolution mode. And that really sucks because sometimes frame rate mode means this thing can go at 120 frames a second. And you don't know that until you get into the settings and look. But if you have a TV like mine that only goes at 60 FPS, you're like, 
Well, I don't want to use that. I'll just use the 4K mode. And then other times, <laughs> like uh, Demon Souls remake is like this. The thing is basically terrible at, on at 30 frames a second and 60 frames a second. It's like money, right? Hmm. This is one of the first games where I actually chose to play it in 30 frames 4K. Um, and the ra- the reasoning is when you put it in 60, I don't even know that how to explain it, but something about that engine doesn't feel right at 60 frames. Hmm. It's like it was built because the first game was in 30 frames. So it's like it, her animation and stuff is like built and it just feels jerky and weird at 60 frames. The game also looks notably much worse at that resolution or at that frame rate. So you're kind of like, okay, I'm taking a big hit. The game looks a lot fuzzier uh, and it really sticks out to you. So I've actually put it on to 30 frames a minute. So, or 30 frames a second, which is unusual. Mm-hmm. But. I'm like three hours in, four hours in. It feels like I'm scratching the surface. But it's like, dude, it's just like a comfortable jacket that you put on for the first time in the fall. You're like, oh, man, Sony, you know what yeah. you're doing. And it's nice. Like, look, I'm the first guy that's an apologist for Last of Us 2. I think that game was amazing. But, I mean, it's a – you got to want it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like mm-hmm. getting a, a burger from the greasy joint down the way. You kind of need to be in a space for that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm sorry, I cut you off. What were you going to say? Uh, no, I, I was trying to think as far as like the resolution um, and frame rate. Like it, it's just an either or. You can't go like halfway or halfwaysies or anything like <sighs> okay, that. I mean, you've totally gone PC guy. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. And, on, and honestly, I wish there wasn't even a choice. Mm-hmm. I just... Give me what you think is the best play experience. Yeah, that's kind of that's yeah. kind of what I'm paying for. If I wanted to tinker with it, so I kind of resent the fact that I have to go on Digital Foundry. I have to watch the video okay. to see, and then because what you don't want is like if you don't watch a breakdown, you might say, "Well, just play it and see what you think." And I do that as well, but like you don't know if five hours into the game there's going to be this catastrophic, you know, drop in frame yeah. rate or something, and yeah. they're going to cover that more than I would find out. So, um. Yeah, it's just a cool, good game, dude. And cool. Yeah, it very much. And because and, the original Horizon just came out on PC, what, like last year? He was fairly recently, yeah. So, yeah, yeah just but, wait, dude. It's coming your way. Yeah. No, I mean, I played it on PS4. The thing that I was shocked was that this new one is on the PS4, which, like, it can actually run on that, which <laughs> it's pretty incredible that, you know, for that old piece of hardware that you can still play a game like horizon on it yeah dude and like uh i know i know there's a lot of like because i watched the technical breakdown there's a lot of like corners that are cut but basically a bunch of the kind of open world texture stuff is just completely swapped out for something the ps4 can handle so the engineers have really thought of some really cool things but they do these like side-by-side shots where it's like the difference on just like the ground yeah, is so earth-shatteringly different. Um, but it's, I mean, it's cool that this stuff has been accomplished. And I've also heard that Ghost of Tsushima is like much better and then re-release on PS5. Mm. So that's that's hopefully pulling me back in. They also, do you know this? They moved the buttons around so it got it's back on the shoulders like Sekiro, not whatever. Okay, all right, that's ridiculousness <laughs> that they had before. So anyway, huh. man. Uh, if someone would like to get at you and talk to you about maybe retrying Ghost of Tsushima, where could they find you? 
That's all on Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I am at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at Spike VDMTG. We will check you guys next week.